This is Mark Ronson with his incredible new album, Late Night Feelings. Featuring the hit singles, Late Night Feelings and Nothing Breaks Like a Heart. Mark Ronson, Late Night Feelings, out Friday. This episode of the Slash Filmcast is brought to you by HelloFresh. Please visit HelloFresh.com and use the promo code FILMCAST30 to save $30 off your first week of deliveries when you subscribe. That's FILMCAST30 to save $30 from HelloFresh.com. Hello everyone and welcome to the Slash Filmcast, the official podcast of SlashFilm.com. I'm David Chen and with me are... Devendra Hardware. Jeff Kanata. And joining us today, she's the associate editor of ScreenCrush.com. Britt Hayes, welcome back to the Slash Filmcast. Britt, how are you doing today? Great. Great. Happy to be here. It's great to have you on. Uh, and we asked you to join us today because all we're doing on today's episode of the podcast is reviewing Atomic Blonde... And uh, you have a special uh, standing to speak about Atomic Blonde, do you not? Because you are quoted on the poster in Times Square for Atomic Blonde. Is that right? Yeah, a giant, giant billboard above the M&M store has my quote. It's also in like all of the TV ads now and like everywhere. So, <laughs> and what, what every is time it? I walk by it, Britt, I just point at it and shout out loud. I know that person. <laughs> oh man, that's great. Her what quote is, is, this movie is better than M&M's. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the quote. Uh, what is, uh, the, what the, is the quote, in fact? The, uh, what is it? The, the female 007 right. has arrived. The female 007 has arrived. Thank you for that uh, dramatic reading as well. Appreciate it. Um, but yeah, it's, it's great to have you on again, Britt, and I uh, thought it'd be great to talk with you about this movie. Before we get to that, a few things I just want to uh, mention. You can find more episodes of this podcast at SlashFilmCast.com. You can email us at SlashFilmCast.com. Last week, when we recorded the podcast, I, David Chen, erroneously said that the first two Apes movies had won Oscars for visual effects. Uh, (laughs) That is not true. Uh, We got an email from Kevin, who wrote into SlashFilmCast.gmail.com. You need to check your facts. Weta did not win any visual uh, visual effects Oscars for the Apes films to date. They have been nominated for the first two, but did not win. I know, because I was at both Weta Oscar parties, and the free drinks ended. <laughs> the free drinks ended when we lost. <laughs> uh, Listen, so, uh, we I, need to talk about Kevin. Yeah. <laughs> I have this image of, of everybody standing at the bar all excited, and the bartender literally like pouring a drink, and then they say, and the winner is... ILM and the guy's like, nope, we're done. Everybody go home. Lights on. <laughs> uh, yeah. So sorry about that. I, I'm, what I meant to say was nominated, not won Oscars, but yes. they, they were nominated. Yes. So that is its own form of recognition. Um, but anyway, so sorry. <laughs> sorry about that. Sorry about that. I guys. love the idea that the party is contingent on the win. That is the best <laughs> part of the email. Yeah. We're, I mean, that, that just determines the budget. Okay. Like, yeah. yeah. It's a party for winners like... or a party for losers. You know. <laughs> 
who is like the sober person left in charge of like waiting to shut down the free bar? <laughs> uh, terrible. It's like the designated survivor. Terrible it's the joke. same guy. It's the same guy that at the Super Bowl like has the hats of of both teams, you know, and decides which team <laughs> which team's hats are going to be flooded on the, and then just has to dispose of all the losing team's hats. Mm. Yeah. Terrible. Job. <laughs> In any case. Uh, well, th- that's all I wanted to mention, guys. Why don't we get to our review of Atomic Blonde? I chose this life. And someday, it's going to get me killed. But not today. Lorraine Broughton. Expert in intelligence collection and hand-to-hand combat. Agent Gascoigne was killed last night. Did you know him? Enough to say hello. He had an atomic bomb of information. Find out who's hunting our operatives and trust no one. That was from the trailer of Atomic Blonde, the newest film by David Lynch. Uh, I'm going to read the plot summary from INDB. An undercover MI6 agent is sent to Berlin during the Cold War to investigate the murder of a fellow agent and recover a missing list of double agents. This movie stars Charlize Theron, James McAvoy, John Goodman, and Toby Jones. And Britt Hayes, as we discussed, uh, you are quoted as saying, "This is the, the female 007 has arrived. Here's the thing, though. You know, I was watching the trailer for Kingsman 2 the other day in the theater, and it, remi- it reminded me of how much better other films have been at being spy films than actually sure. 007, you know? Uh, yeah. Man, Man from Uncle, Kingsman, those are both better films than Spectre. Uh, and I would argue Atomic Blonde is better than Spectre. So I guess my question for you is, if Atomic Blonde is, is like the 007 has arrived, is that a good thing? Like, how did you mean that? Because maybe being the female 007 isn't a good thing these days. Um, it was a good thing because, I mean, it's one of those arguments that's sort of come up, you know, in the last few years along with like, we need a female doctor here. Well, hey, now we, we have a female doctor. Um, one of the things you hear is like, why can't we have a female Bond? Or like, why can't we have a black Bond? Why does it always have to be some like angular British white dude? Mm-hmm. Um and this movie basically gives you, you know, like an 80s set Lady Bond. I mean, it she's is, still angular. Let's be honest. She's I still mean, very angular. Definitely <laughs> angular and so tall. I saw her in person at South by. We passed each other like she was going to the bathroom as I was leaving. And I was just like, oh, my God, I'm going to die. <laughs> um, I, I don't, I don't actually believe I that story. Think- yeah. I don't think Charlize Theron goes to the bathroom. Yeah, right. I'm sorry. Agreed. I'm sure she wasn't actually going to use the toilet. <laughs> she was probably just like going to check her perfect skin. I don't know. I mean, yeah, like saying that she's going to the bathroom implies that she's a human, you know, which uh, <laughs> yeah. I think is not correct after seeing this movie. Um, but yeah, no, so so what, what did you like about this movie, Britt? Um, I liked... I liked so much of it. I mean, I know people complain. I, I, some of the complaints I've heard are like, you know, like oh, the the needle drops are a little too overbearing. But I love them. <laughs> I mean, like, yeah, it's no different than a lot of movies I see like this with dudes in them. Like, what gives? Like, I I don't know. I, I'm not accusing anyone of nitpicking this movie because it has a woman in it. I'm sure some people are, but not everyone. Um, I just the action is is so great. It's so awesome to see her 
just doing this practical action stuff. It's, I mean, that hallway fight, the, like every fight, every fight is so incredible. And you can tell that she went to the Leich and Stahelski school because of the way she holds her gun properly. And it feels really grounded in that way. It's like, I'm really watching this person actually kick all these dudes butts. Yeah. Yeah. I think she really convincingly pulls it off as uh, an action star. Uh, let me ask you, Jeff Kanata, your thoughts on this movie, Atomic Blonde. Um, <laughs> uh, I am probably going to be Uh-oh. the one that that nitpicks it. Come on, um, Jeff. Come uh, on. Damn it, Jeff. <laughs> I know, I know, but not because it has a female lead. I, I I went into this movie really excited for it and really really wanting to love it. And uh, for like the first, I don't know, third of the movie, maybe half the movie, I was like, ooh, I am not digging this it, it felt like she was kind of sleepwalking through it and it felt muddled and the whole it, and i did get bugged by some of the uh the 80s pandora station that was on during the movie um it it just felt it just felt really um paint by numbers uh, for the and then the action sequence happens the action sequence. The action sequence. So, so Jeff's referring to the fact that there is one action sequence in this movie everyone's going to be talking about. This is yes. one of those sequences that when people make lists of the best action scenes of the 2010s, this yeah. will be on that list. It, it will it, be on the list. It and is it, a it, legendary. It, com- yeah. it completely turns the movie around, or it did for me at least. Uh, and it is a tour de force. It, it kind of comes at you without even announcing itself, it just starts and then you're swept up in it and it's still going and it's still going and it's still going. And it is this centerpiece that just for me catapulted the movie into a completely new place. And even after that, the movie feels like it finally has a pulse and hits its stride. Mm. And, uh, I, I really wasn't digging the movie until that moment. And I felt like she was really just the whole thing that felt, felt, comatose up until that moment even the action sequences at the beginning just felt really bland and i'm the first guy especially with with bond movies and and lots of action movies i think listeners to the show know i often criticize uh these kinds of films for having the best thing be the first 10 minutes and then not being able to live up to that this movie certainly doesn't do that and and i and i guess i should applaud it that it's it's biggest delights are much farther into the movie. And I think that's a good thing. Actually, I think work up to the crescendo um, and the, and what a crescendo it is. I mean, we can talk in spoilers more about that. And I think we will, but for me, the, if I had just watched that, I don't know, 10 minute, 15 minute long sequence, I would have been happy. I didn't even need the movie around it. It is so, <laughs> it is so incredible. And it, it goes so many places and it's so clearly her and, I, I was m- dazzled by the technical mastery of how you even stage it and, and what it took. And I could, I could find some masked cuts, but yeah, it, it is, it's an amazing sequence. And for me, it, the whole movie was that. And, and after that I was much more engaged and I thought the movie picked up speed. And then there's a couple of cool action moments that even happen after that. And I was much more, and I think the, even the sort of revelations of the story are sort of more uh, rapid fire after that. But so much of it, I think, could have been cut down leading into it. I I didn't feel like the movie found its stride until that movie, until that moment. Um, And so 
I didn't love it. I, I didn't, I wasn't drawn into the relationships. I found all, everybody is just like really, you know, I don't know. I wasn't drawn into to any of the relationships until after that. And, and because of how powerful that action vocabulary is, now I'm invested in these characters and I feel like there's real big stakes. And before that I, I wasn't. So I didn't think it was a perfect movie, but it is a, a movie that ended up being extremely entertaining for me, but uh, uneven at best. All right. Divinia I really wish you could uh, see my face right now. It's like, <laughs> you, you know the face Robert De Niro does when he's not happy? <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's like, but I, you know, I don't know. I, I, the, the soundtrack alone, I, I, I totally understand if you dig it. I, it's, I'm, there's songs that I love and I grew up with, but like, Hey, we're in Berlin, Berlin. What's the on the nose song that we could play? Oh, 99 Luft balloons. Okay. Yeah. Obviously that's going to be played. Oh, <laughs> uh, what we're in, we're now we're in London. What are you going to play from the eighties? Oh, London calling. Okay. I guess that's the obvious choice here. I just wish there'd been a little bit more creativity there. Correct and it, me if I'm wrong though. They, they do use a Susie and the Banshees track though, right? Ooh. I'm not sure. Uh, I don't know. I feel I like that's no accurate. Yeah. I feel like that's pretty accurate because I remember being incredibly excited because you never hear Susie and the Banshee in movies. You hear it in like Marie Antoinette and Batman Returns. Batman Returns <laughs> of all things. <laughs> but it's like, whoa, that's a, that's a cool song choice. Maybe I'm wrong. You know, someone no, probably, I, I, someone I, I, will probably I, actually email me on Twitter at some point. Uh, well, you, you're, like you're a, probably uh, Cities and Dust was in the, in the movie. Ha-ha, uh, I knew it. So, so like therefore, two Jeff, Bowies. Therefore, Jeff, the yeah, argument isn't valid. <laughs> I guess yeah. maybe so, but it just it for me it felt like when I listened to the '80s Pandora Station, it's like oh, it's 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 not deep cuts. It is the most obvious. <laughs> like what what is the '80s is yeah. '80s song? It's, it's also because everyone is doing this now too, right? I, I'm thinking of like Conjuring Two. When we move to London, London Calling, I believe, starts playing. So it's like it's, yeah. everyone is doing this. There now. is something very Suicide Squad esque about the soundtrack to this movie. Uh, but how know, dare you? You know, in the <laughs> sense that the, the soundtrack choices are very obvious. But here's to its credit, I think uh, the movie actually makes the '80s feel desirable in some way. You know, which is a very difficult thing to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a cool. It, it it's like awesome. What are you talking cool. about? Yeah, uh, I don't I like know. About, I don't know if I agree with you on that, Jeff. But uh, Devinder Hardaway, what, what were your thoughts on the movie? Yeah, I love this movie. Um, it was in so in so many ways. Like I can understand why you're probably a little frustrated with how it starts, uh, Jeff. Like it's uh, I, it, there there's mood setting there. There's you know it takes its time, uh, similar to John Wick one. And honestly, that's something I kind of missed from John Wick two. Like this movie really grounds you in this character and kind of what she's going through and we just kind of get a sense of her before the action really kicks off and then yeah when the action kicks off it's incredible and this is the like new style of action i want to see more of uh compared to like you know i enjoyed kingsman but i keep bringing up how floaty and how like cartoony everything always feels in kingsman and i'm looking forward to the sequel but even just looking at that trailer and like people are like flipping guns around like like wanted and like they're they're like flipping over tables and shooting upside down, and I, I just want somebody to just like punch somebody in the face like they would, you know, <laughs> like in real life. That's all I want to see. Yeah, uh, really. So the, the stunt coordinator Sam Hargrave did a very cool stunt breakdown of uh, one of the middle action sequences, the one that use, where she uses a hose, 
And it's like a, this is an extraordinary YouTube video that Wired Magazine did. It's a 12-minute video of him just talking through exactly how they did pretty much every single stunt yeah. in that scene. And, and I, w- I would say wait until after you see yeah, the movie. Yeah, wait until after you see the movie because you want to see that scene in its native environment. But yeah. it, it is totally fascinating. And a lot of the stuff is practical. Like, you know, they, they throw someone through a table and they have, uh, they have charges in the table glass that, that <laughs> detonate to make the, the glass explode. Uh, and make it look more spectacular. Because otherwise, um, he, you know, he's saying most uh, like coffee table glass is designed to not shatter into a thousand pieces, uh, <laughs> and you need to hit it really hard. So you know, and you can see in the movie like the puff of smoke that goes up from the uh, from the table when they detonate the charges. Like they they do a lot of things practically in this film, and it shows. Mm-hmm. You can feel it. It looks amazing. So, but basically, yeah, for me. This movie kind of works on every level. I think the action is fantastic. It's inventive. It feels grounded. People feel like they get hurt, especially in that extra long fight scene where, her, like, Charlize Theron's character, she is just getting beaten down, like, completely beaten down. And I kind of I love seeing that veneer of humanity and vulnerability in my action stars while they're also super people. Um, so that, all of that is great. Um, right. you, you, people yeah. actually feel like they absorb damage during the fight mm-hmm. scenes, right? It's not just definitely there's they're weight not just to superhuman it. and you know yeah, yeah. exactly. It, yeah, it, it's not just an elderly British man shooting people and heads exploding. You know, it's it's, <laughs> it's very different than that, um, and it's just the style of it. This movie looks astounding. It just has a veneer of cool and swagger that so many movies wish they had. Like this movie, just like it just announces itself, and it is, it, it it's just cool on its own. And I think there are some plot gaps or some narrative holes or something, especially as you get towards some of the later twists, uh, which I, I don't think work out logically. But at that point, I really didn't care. I loved everything about where this movie was going. Uh, this movie worked for me better than John Wick Two. And my issue, as much as I love John Wick 2, a lot of that movie felt like, why are we doing this again? Because the house? Because like it didn't feel like we had enough motivation um, and character reasons for like a lot of the action happening. So I was less involved in John Wick 2 as much as I love that movie. This one is is the sort of successor I want. This is giving me real emotional stakes. This is giving me a reason to care about why these things are happening. And, uh, yeah, I just kind of loved all of it. And it's also really nice to have a great spy movie where I don't have to roll my eyes over the, the like, inherent misogyny of so much of it, too. So that's awesome to see. What I really love, one of the things I really love, I mean, besides Devinder just pointed out how cool it looks, which is another thing I was going to bring up, is just this movie is just cool. Like, it just is super cool. Mm-hmm. It, but it, one it of looks the things, gorgeous. The movie, like, yeah. just the the composition, every the color grading, the lighting. Like, there, it, there's a nice Michael Mann like blue shade ooh, just going yeah. through all of it. It's so nice. Yeah. But I think like the, the the big thing for me watching this was like you know I I'm comparing her to Bond and saying like you know she's the female Bond, but like mm-hmm. really she's her own character. I mean, we were just introduced to a new spy. Like one day, I hope dudes are like, when are we going to get a male? <laughs> Lorraine Broughton. Um, <laughs> but, like, I mean, that's the thing is, like, she feels genderless, though, too. There mm-hmm. are moments where she's vulnerable and yet somehow masculine, like seeing her in these ice baths, which is like one of the most striking things visually in the film is this simple moment of her taking an ice bath. Mm-hmm. And the way that she, like, gets out of the tub and sits on the edge and has this drink, she, like, pours herself some stoli. And it's like, 
there's something really masculine about that. Like I could see Daniel Craig doing that in a better Bond movie, but like, (laughs) (laughs) you know what I mean? It it doesn't feel sexualized to me. uh, No, not at all. In in any other movie where Charlize Theron is getting out of a bathtub completely naked, uh, it might feel sexualized, but not in this movie. Uh, probably because there's she's trying pl- to reduce the inflammation from all of her bruises. But uh, there's plenty of stuff that's sexualized in this movie, though. For sure. But I don't have a problem with that stuff either. And I think that's part of her, my my genderless argument is like, imagine a dude in that role, and how many guys would like love the crap out of this movie of him like hooking up with you know this girl on his yeah, mission. yeah the, the the girl on the mission and he's like hooking up with her and. And, like, she's just literally doing what men in every spy movie do. But because it's, like, woman on woman, one of the complaints I've heard is, like, you know, oh, God, it's, like, it's so, it's, you know, kind of, like, misogynist. It's kind of icky. Like, you know, it's just a little too much. And, um, you know, tacky. There's too much male gaze. But I don't feel that way. I just kept imagining, like, okay, if this were a guy there would be none of those complaints. This is a woman doing Mm -hmm. what a male does. And she's, I mean, like she has a sex life. Like there's nothing like don't sex shame Charlize Theron ever, especially (laughs) in my presence. I feel like this is a uh, running theme with uh, Brit being on the slash film cast is uh, uh, there's a movie like, you know, last time it was neon demon where uh, a lot of people complain about male gaze and Brit Hayes is here to say, don't worry about it. At least in this case, I mean, uh, Charlize Theron is a producer on this film, so I, uh-huh. I assume that she had sign-off over how she appeared in the movie. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, whatever, whatever is there, it's, it's like her intention that we see it in this way. And uh, I, I didn't really, you know, I, I felt, I didn't feel it was super exploitative, <laughs> at, at least insofar as like, uh, in, in a way that she didn't want it to be. I feel like whatever, right, however right, exploitative right. it was, it was probably what she wanted, you know? Yeah, um, for for a reason too. Like, I think specifically, like, it, I I don't want to dance around and say like those sex scenes weren't like they weren't very hot, guys. They they really worked on multiple levels. And it, I I think in many ways too, they tell us about her character. Like, I in some ways it almost feels like we are starting not to talk about how sex scenes work in movies and how they can actually tell us more about characters right. and develop things and not just be something that we can criticize. Like, it does feel like we we've come to like a weird. Almost pure, yeah, puritanical view. Yeah, I guess because yeah, there's just not that things. many sex scenes in movies these days. Yeah, right? like it's it's rare to see sex scenes in movies. Um, so yeah, good point, Devendra. But let me just share a few thoughts, and then we can dive into spoilers in this movie. Um, I really liked it. I think like the three things that I thought were strong. Number one, the action's incredible. A lot of it's practical. Uh, David Leach is. is uh, I, I think he used to be a stunt coordinator, if I'm not mistaken. And yes. uh, so, yeah. you know, he knows how to film action. He often, like, lets things uh, play out in long takes, wide shots, exactly what we want to see from action movies. Uh, he lets those stunt people sell those hits and I think uh, overall does a great job with that. And Charlie Saron, of course, also brings a great physicality to this role. There's no doubt in my mind that she performed many of those stunts. Um, second thing is... Uh, as you already mentioned, the movie's beautiful, like just absolutely gorgeous. Every shot, I want to frame it. Uh, it. It just feels really meticulously constructed as a period piece. Uh, and so I, I really love the look of it. And finally, Charlize Theron looks amazing in this movie. And I'm not, I'm not just talking about the time when she's, you know, naked or, or scantily clad. I mean, just her outfits are 
fabulous in this film. Yeah. And it just, yeah. it just, she's, she's always meticulously dressed, and uh, I thought she looked great, and I really love her in this movie. Uh, all that said, I think the plot is absolutely nonsensical. Like, I just think sure. whether, whether it actually makes sense in the end, it, I don't even think it matters that much because the way it's told is a, a jumbled mess, in my opinion. Uh, and so I think, like, plot-wise, not very strong. And uh, we can talk more in spoilers about whether or not it actually succeeds at communicating what it's trying to. Um, but uh, o- overall, yeah, I-, I like the movie. I'd recommend it. It's definitely worth watching in a theater. And uh, it got some really good audience reaction when I saw it yesterday. So, and w- What a great supporting cast, too, right? Like James McAvoy, just perfect, perfect, smarmy, slimy James McAvoy role. Uh, John Goodman, like, just showing up. Uh, I-, I love her superiors and how she has to, like, basically detail the level of this investigation, what she had to go through, uh, their expressions through all this, Toby Jones, that's just kind of a great thing. All yeah, around. I liked the framing. It's a very, it's a kind of standard spy movie framing. I just wish the plot, like, I wish the logic of like, right. Uh, yeah. Going from point A to point B was a little bit more clearly spelled out. And especially when you have a bunch of twists, you know, like this movie does, I feel like you really needed a more coherent storyline than I think we got, unfortunately. So, but you guys, you know, one of my favorite aspects of this movie is uh, there was that fight scene that happened like in a kitchen, and there's a scene yes. where she How throws a pot you, at David. a dude's head. How dare you? How dare like, you? You know what else <laughs> happens with pots? Here, you cook, How dare you, you, you David? Cook food with them. How dare you? Oh no. <laughs> You want to be you want to be a, a super spy. Super spies got skills. You know whether you're a male super spy or a female super spy, you got to have them skills. You got to know about uh, you got to know about wines. You got to know about guns. You got to know how to drive fast, and you got to know how to cook a meal, right, David? That's correct, right, David. When the when the pot comes flying at your head, you have to have known how to use that in all its incarnations That's right. as a weapon. As a way to prepare a, a sensibly uh, priced meal that also is healthy <laughs> and uses fresh ingredients. Uh, I'm loving everything you're saying right now. Our sponsor <laughs> is going to help you out with that. Our sponsor is HelloFresh. HelloFresh is a farm-to-box company but also a couch-to-kitchen company because the first thing you need to do to be a super spy is get off that couch and learn you some skills. I'm so happy that I have started using a farm-to-box uh, and a couch to kitchen methodology in my own life because I have gotten those skills. If you had told me five years ago that I would be uh, able to cook uh, the meal that I cooked tonight for my wife, uh, I would have uh, been shocked at that. I would, would have been, what, what magical superpower did I get? Uh, it turns out that all you have to do is practice. And it's so easy to practice with HelloFresh because they're going to give you uh, great meals in a box, all just kind of compartmentalized in a box. Um, I love the fact that when I open my HelloFresh box, it's got like smaller boxes inside with all the ingredients you need for that recipe that you can do. And the recipes only, only take like 30 minutes. They're, they require minimal equipment. It's super easy, but because now I'm like chopping my own stuff, zesting my own things, I understand how to do that stuff, and I'm actually getting good at it. It's uh, it's amazing. I'm leveling up. I'm becoming a super spy. Next, guys, uh, we just need to be sponsored by some sort of uh, stunt driving service. Yeah. Um, HelloFresh, here, here's the things you need to know. Every week, they create delicious recipes with step-by-step instructions that even someone as ineffectual as me can follow and create good meals. So 
whether you're a novice or a seasoned cook, you can cook awesome meals. And the ingredients that they give you are the freshest, measured to the exact quantities you need. So you don't have leftovers in the fridge that are going to spoil. You don't have extra bits of things that you don't know what to do with. No food waste. Plus, HelloFresh employs two full-time registered dietitians on staff that review every recipe to ensure that it is nutritionally balanced. They deliver the food to your doorstep, always free shipping with a uh, recyclable insulated box, free shipping to your door. And it turns out you're going to be spending less than $10 a meal. It's pretty amazing. And now HelloFresh is offering light spring meals and has just introduced breakfast options. What? Did somebody say pancakes? Was that, an air, was that an air horn that you just did? That's an air horn. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's uh, that's the get that's the get hyped universal sign for get hyped, right? Nice. So, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? You're going to go to HelloFresh.com and use the promo code Filmcast30 that gives you thirty dollars off your first week of HelloFresh. And you can try it out yourself. Thirty dollars off your first week. Pretty cool stuff. You'll eat really great food and you'll you'll get some skills and I, it honestly has improved my life beyond measure i can't even tell you how much i love this uh, this fact that i can actually cook for my wife it's amazing she commented tonight actually when i cooked for her she's like it's so nice that you can cook and i can take care of the baby and uh and i like, agree have you i have you fooled right <laughs> yeah, right. I, I'm doing the easy thing. Step by step instructions is easy. HelloFresh.com promo code Filmcast30. Let's get. I'm this. just glad we're talking about food and uh, spy movies, by the way, guys. Because Kale, I'm on to you. You're the mole. I know. <laughs> I'm just always trying to be something else, man. Always mole. trying. To be. You cannot trust Kale. <laughs> oh, Kale has all the codes. Oh no! I have a, cr- a request for the next HelloFresh ad that one of you has to do. Yeah. Uh, make it Twin Peaks themed, and somebody <laughs> say hello like Dougie, like oh. hello. Oh. Unfortunately, Jeff does oh. not get that joke because he doesn't watch Twin Peaks. But yeah, uh, one of one of uh, Devinger or David will have to do the Jeff, ad that week. Jeff, you're such a disappointment to me. <laughs> I know. Every time you're on, I am. Every yeah, single time you're on, I am a massive time. disappointment. Every single time. Yeah. All right, let's get one this. of these days. We're gonna sync up on our thoughts, and then we'll go to the. M&M store in Times Square together and it'll be amazing. We'll just be the happiest happiest friends. All right. The first M&M James Bond has arrived. <laughs> Let's get it's the sp- green one. <laughs> Let's get the spoilers for Atomic Blonde starting right now. Now you're looking for the secret. Trying to see this coming. No. But you won't find it because of course you're not going to see this coming. You're not really looking. I have been puzzling over how it works. You don't really want Work it out. Who's in the box? I have been dying to tell you. I want to tell you my secret. You want to be fooled. So I have some questions about what's going on <laughs> at too. the end of this movie. I, I mean, I have I many think, questions. I think, uh, first of all, that it, it's pretty clear she's a triple agent, right? Yes. Like yeah. Yeah. So for, for for what reason I don't know, but yeah. So so I, I love the ultimate reveal is that Charlize Theron has an American accent. In this <laughs> yeah, movie. Like, they they literally uh, explained how bad her British accent is in the context of the movie. That's yes. pretty lucky, brilliant. Lucky for you, her whole face is British, though, guys. Um, that's an Arrested Development reference. Anyway, uh, so so she's a triple agent, and uh, my question is: Is she Satchel? That's my question. So is she like mm-hmm. Satchel, the double agent that they were trying to find? 
I think so. But because uh, uh, I she, thought that she, uh, I thought that uh, what's his bucket was Satchel James McAvoy. <laughs> yeah, but, but she and she pretended to be Satchel to get and kill all them Russians. Hmm. Um. Yeah, I'm not sure. Like, whose whose side was was James McAvoy a good guy? Is my question. No. No, <laughs> he was very bad. Well, he started out as a good guy, but then he got he got seduced into the the Berlin life, and, and <laughs> it looks pretty sweet, by the way. Yeah. Just like hanging out and raves and like your own private, like yeah, right. Group so, of, uh, so then he expo- he exposed like she was a like the the uh, as you said the Germans right thought that she was working with them right as evidenced uh-huh. by that scene when she's in the hotel room, and then but then she wasn't. And apparently James McAvoy had exposed her to them, right? Um, right. And that's why she has to kill everyone. I'm but just but about- also the Brits thought she was one of theirs, right? but she never <laughs> was. I don't understand. Like, I know, Davinja, you were saying that you really dug the, uh, the storytelling device of her being in there explaining the thing to them. And yeah, there's, mm-hmm. there's some fun stuff about that. But, I, but in a narrative standpoint, I have no idea why she needed to do that at all. Like, if you're just going to... Go back to America and be be an American agent. Like, don't even bother telling anybody about well, it what happened. It seemed like a debriefing to you know confirm that she's working for my six, and they're like, "What the hell happened here?" Yeah, uh, isn't you that blew just up like, all of Berlin. Yeah, <laughs> it's just to maintain just like her cover. Standard operation yeah. operating procedure when you are a spy. Maybe you've got to like <laughs> answer to superiors and tell them like, "Okay, so I did this and I did this." But they weren't her worry. actual superiors. They were fake superiors well, and John, her real superiors. But, but they don't there. know that. Yeah, John John Goodman was her actual superior too. Right? So I guess the idea is that she's going to keep she's them still, thinking she's that... still a British double agent for America basically. Or what? She's an American agent, <laughs> but she's a double, Look, you know. She's, she's, she's always, an you know, agent. <laughs> She's an agent for herself. She's Ooh. looking out for number one. And I would not be surprised if like 10 atomic blondes from now, she's just like ruling over Earth the way Charlize Theron should be. Uh-huh. 10 atomic blondes from now, she's actually Imperial Furiosa. Yeah. Yes. yeah. I mean, I, I think like I actually would be excited for an atomic blonde too. Uh, would you, do you mm-hmm. feel the same way? Like, I, yeah. I just hope yeah. they make a better story next time. I, I guess... Uh, I, I've talked to. It'll be people. awesome. It'll be in the '90s, and she'll be all uh, grunge, and it'll be like. <laughs> oh that. my god! This <laughs> is like my dream base. movie. <laughs> She's like Charlize Theron is a spy wearing flannel and Doc Martens and listening to like Mazzy Star while she's beating the crap out of every dude. She'd be too apathetic to do anything. I I'm not sure she, that would work. She's pretty apathetic in this movie. I gotta say, there's, you know, I said she was kind of sleepwalking through the most of this movie. Other than the action stuff, which is very impressive and amazing that she actually did most of it herself, which is incredible. But I think most of them, and I said sleepwalking, but it's really more like sleep smoking or smoke walking. (laughs) There's a lot of smoking as a placeholder for acting, both from her and from James McAvoy. (laughs) And then she's also wearing that mask, so it's like she's smoking. (laughs) Oh, no, I'm so sorry. Mm, We're not on the 90s episode yet. That's pretty (laughs) Um, but no, to me, like that was a, the sense of style thing, right? That was how in, you know, a Michael Mann's film, somebody will just not be doing anything for a very long time. And you find that inherently interesting and you're either with it or you're not. But I, I was certainly with it. 
Yeah, I, I thought it was uh, her demeanor, her style was really good, very intoxicating. Um, so uh, agree with you guys on on all that stuff. I just, yeah. I kind of just wish. Uh, I've talked with several people whose job it is full time to review movies, <laughs> and none of them have been able to successfully explain to me the plot of this movie. Like, it, okay, right. okay, <laughs> you know what? When I walked out of this at South by, that was a that was a complaint I also heard from other sure. critics, which is like. It's too convoluted, and I'm like, no more so than a dumb James Bond movie. I mean, those movies are ridiculously convoluted. Well, we're and harsh like, on those, too, to be fair. I mean, we, 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 mean, we kicked the shit sure. out of, of uh, Skyfall. Yeah, Spectre, I think. Um, or Spectre, but, excuse but me. I, I wish... I, dare. I, I guess I wish... You know, it has a lot of born elements, uh, this movie does, mm. uh, as evidenced by the, that scene when she grabs a hose and uses it to... Not only uh, maim everyone that that's around her, but then uses the hose to escape. I mean, that's, that's Dave, very Bourne esque. You very well know that reference goes far, far before yeah. the Bourne. Die Hard Baby. Die Hard uh, Baby. Uh, hard Boiled Baby. What are you talking about? Okay. What do you do? I even know you right now. I'm talking. Oh, I, I'm talking about the this idea of like using a, a standard <laughs> item in in the room. To, yes, yes, yes. You know, as as a fighting implement. Um, I also think it was a poor choice to leap off the balcony with that thing only tied to someone else's neck because that guy, all that guy has to do is not hit something on his way down and you're <laughs> fucked. Man, she thought it out. She knows. She yeah, knew. No, she I, knew I actually up. thought it was very smart because if she tied it to like an object, uh, it would have stopped her too abruptly, I think. Uh, oh, anyway. got to have that <laughs> human cushion. That's right. You got to have that human cushion of, you know, any, anyway, in any case. Uh, so I, I thought that was uh, like my favorite scene in the movie other than the, the big massive fight scene was the hose scene really well done I uh, liked I really liked the very very end Russian massacre with the feathers yeah. uh, I thought that in slow motion I thought that was incredibly Here, here's exquisite the only thing, here, here's the only thing I didn't like about that scene was uh, because I've seen so many of these movies and I know how they're made <laughs> I could see the stunt people anticipating the shots. Yep. They had uh, to. Yeah. Because it's, it's in slow-mo. Because if, if there's any, any time differential between when, the, when she pulls right. the trigger and when they move, you'll see it accentuated because it's in slow-mo. Exactly. So it's better to be like early than late, I guess, in that situation. Yes. Yeah. Um, but I could still tell, oh, I don't think she's actually shooting those guys. I think they're just pretending to get What? Um, <laughs> magic. Man. <laughs> the illusion is broken. The illusion was completely shattered. Guys. But I thought that scene was was rad, man. Yeah, I thought it was that was. Great. I mean, other than the fact that, like, why did she even put herself <laughs> in that situation? It didn't, I don't know. But well, yeah, what but, I love, what uh, I love is that every action scene. Now, there's about four action scenes in this movie, right? Every action scene is really different from the last one, right? Like they yeah. they're in a different setting. You know, the pacing is different. The implements she uses are different. So I really like the variety of uh, of action in the film, uh, and yeah, that's most definitely that's something that's rare uh, to see in in action movies today. There's a lot of repetition uh, these days. So, uh, any other thoughts on the movie uh, that we want? I mean, to- we got to talk about the you know the big action sequence. Right. The, uh, it's, it's pretty big. How big is it, guys? It's incredible. Yeah. I mean, that one take that keeps going and those di- guys falling down the stairs and her falling down the stairs and it not ending. And, dude, I laughed out loud when, she, like, we've seen this. It, it's been, like, four minutes of the coolest shit ever. And then she's kind of 
finished with those guys. <laughs> and then, and then our, our little, uh, sad little man who she's trying to rescue is like, uh, two more, <laughs> there's two more around the corner. Yeah. <laughs> it was so awesome. Yeah. You know, my favorite part of that scene, actually, this is weird, is, uh, is she gets in an elevator and, uh, the, the camera stays on her as she goes up the elevator and then like she goes out of the elevator. And I don't know why, but I really appreciate that because it shows you that she was actually in an elevator or they did, or they either she's actually in an elevator or they did some crazy green screen stuff. Like at the beginning of that scene, because you know, uh-huh. a, a lot of people just assume that they shoot scenes like on location, but that's not always the case. It could be, uh, you know, it could be a set or something like that. But the fact that she got in an elevator and then went up a bunch of floors uh, and it was all one shot made it like it added to the realism that she was in an actual place in reality for me. Um, so anyway, that, that, that's a completely random favorite part of the scene. Well, every time <laughs> that they went, they transitioned from indoor to outdoor, the screen goes complete, like completely it goes completely black, dark. Yeah, yeah. And I'm sure that was an edit point, but totally, mm-hmm. totally, it doesn't yeah. matter. It's still totally. super cool. It's still amazing. Yeah. It, it, yeah. it was very like Alfred Hitchcock rope, like, you know, in terms of like, yeah. oh, the camera just like dive bombed into her back uh, for a split second. But yeah, it, it's still an incredible scene. And like, like we said earlier, you feel the progression of the toll that these people are taking on each other. Oh, uh, yeah. And there, there's a, there's a, period there where they're both just exhausted yeah. and they've thrown everything at each other and that's not even like midway through the, the scene that's just that's like a third of the way through what you're about to see and then getting into the car and then the dude shows back up in front of the car and yeah it's it's so so cool man it's beautiful it's so cool. she like didn't she break like four teeth while filming this uh yeah i can't remember i knew she hers Oh, really? Like she had to have dental surgery wow. because of this movie, because like that's how hardcore she was. And and it it only made her more beautiful. I know <laughs> it's ridiculous. You know what can you do? I just kind of like I have to go back to this convoluted point because I don't really. <laughs> it kind of like bothers me. I don't know. I mean, I I had no problems understanding the plot. I and I I had even had a couple drinks at South by when I was watching this and I was like <laughs> this that's is the key. maybe that's it you guys got to loosen your minds they're too <laughs> they're too tight you got to let it go but yeah it's it's I had no no problem understanding it um honestly I feel like the editing is all all really great and helps like mm-hmm. keep the plot clear unlike other films like Dunkirk <laughs> in which the editing ceases to make sense like in the third act if you can call it that um and then people complain about that being convoluted and i'm like well i mean that's just you know weird editing but <laughs> this i don't know i, I got it I, w- I wonder if it's just all the twists and turns because it, it just feels like there's a there's like a triple level twist happening at a certain point and I think if you think about like, oh, she's working for the Americans this whole time. Like what, how, how does that map to what she was doing for MI6? Like, I think it raises a lot of other questions, but I also think you're right, Britt, that it it didn't seem super convoluted to me. If anything, it just seemed a little like uh, I, just some of the plot elements I just didn't care about too much or it, it was a little nonsensical. But even then, like I, it didn't matter much to me. Like the experience went far beyond what they were doing plot-wise. Also, was it wasn't the whole point that they didn't want that list that was in that yep. dude's head to get out into the open, right? Because if it yeah. did, it would expose all the. So, like, why does she care about keeping that dude alive? You know, like that—that that was the only thing I was confused about. Well, is, yeah, theoretically, yeah. if he if he dies, like, isn't her job easier mm-hmm. now? Like, you, yeah. you know, so it just wasn't super clear to me. 
Uh, no, you're right. And and there's some reference made to the fact that like um, James McAvoy did did read the list, and on the list is some stuff about her that right. is. Well, it, it, I think it probably reveals that she's a triple agent. Is my guess. Right. Yeah. Um, but you're right. Then that would mean that the dude dying would be a good thing for her. <laughs> right. Even though she spends that <laughs> ten minute action scene defending him. Also, how much of an unreliable narrator is she really? Uh, like, why, first of all, why would she tell them the truth? Uh, and, and second of all, is she telling them the truth? <laughs> you know, like, because there's a couple of points where what we see and what she says are different. But I don't, I don't even know if we're supposed to think, oh, you know, is any of this embellished? Is some of it not mm-hmm. accurate? I well, I, th- I think what we're, when we're seeing the flashbacks, I think that's definitely the truth. But it's clear that when she's recounting the story, some of that is not being told to the people in the room. Right. So, but why would mm-hmm. she even tell them any of it? Like, why does she tell them the truth at all? Because she needs them to believe her. And in order, I don't know if you are familiar with how to lie. But... <laughs> I'm terrible at it, that's for sure. Okay, well, that, that explains everything then. See, like, this doesn't make sense to you because you're not a liar. But like... <laughs> not to not to say anything about myself. I'm just saying that, um, you know, even if you have experience with like a sociopath or like a pathological type, like uh, people need to use the truth to build the lie. Like you have to like it's like that game, like, you know, two truths and a lie or whatever. Like that's kind <laughs> of basically what she's playing. It's like, OK, well, if I give them like this much. Then it's like very believable, and then like they could look into it, and it would be backed up. And then I throw in a spicy little lie, and uh, you know, then they buy that too. Yeah, yeah. Like like any good any good spy, that's what you do. Yeah. I defer to your lying prowess. We'll yes. just let that sit there. I'm just gonna I'm gonna start my own podcast that's all about how to lie. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys. Uh, well, I think that's basically it. Uh, it's it's a movie we all enjoyed. It's a movie you should check out. I mean, how how do we feel like it fits into the summer? You know, is it a, a movie that like does this feel like escapist fair to you? I feel almost oh, like, definitely certainly more yeah. than Dunkirk. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, okay, that, that's one bummer. You know, you were talking about how Brit the plot is very similar to any other spy film. I would argue that like the Bourne movies are really really simplistic in their plot. Like, yes. Like just way more very, very it's just it's just it's just Bourne's trying to get from point A to point B. People try to kill him many, many times along the way. That's the plot of every single Bourne film. And I kind of wish that this movie was that simple. Uh, I think I would have enjoyed it a little bit more. But but it's not John Wick though. Is the thing like John Wick? I think has very simple plots, and it should, you know. But like. This is a spy movie. And honestly, I'm going to be real with you guys. I have not seen a Bourne movie. More like bored Prince. because have you seen Matt Damon's face? Come on, you guys. Wow. You do, well, it does get punched many times. Pretty it harsh. gets punched many, many times. So, I mean, that's a know. selling point, really. That's a plus. But I, yeah, I don't know. It just They never really interested me. Yeah. All right. That's fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> All right, guys. Or Matt Damon's face. <laughs> All right, guys. <laughs> That's how we're leaving it with just Matt no, just throwing no, no, no. shade at Damon. Brit, Brit Hayes, <laughs> well, good night, everybody. Bring it home for us. Bring it home for us. Closing uh, thoughts I, on Atomic Blonde. Uh, it's a really cool, really entertaining, kick-ass experience. 
Um, and if you think it's convoluted, I'm really sorry. Um, <laughs> but I also okay. wanted to mention too, before, before we close out is that, uh, something we were talking about before we started recording was if you go to the website, I am you can upload a photo and they'll make you like a little gif. It's like real cute. It says atomic and it's all neon, but every time you do that, they donate a dollar to the, it gets better project. And what better day than today? Yeah. To yeah, support so, something so like For that. those who don't know, like we're actually recording this significantly before it's going to be released. Uh, and this morning, uh, Donald Trump tweeted that uh, transgender people would not be allowed in the military. So, Hey, uh, yeah, that kind of th- flies in the face of your whole lie theory where lies are based <laughs> on uh, an element of truth. Uh, anyway. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, and apparently like the, people didn't even know that he was going to do that. Um, Right. They just, yeah. But like the people in the Pentagon who made effects. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, uh, by the time you're listening to this, actually, I would not be surprised if something changed about it. Oh, I'm um, sure. It's, yeah. <laughs> like the news. I'm sure by the time we finish recording this, it'll be yeah. changed. <laughs> All that being said, I am atomic.com. Check it out. Uh, it's for good. Yeah. Use. And the, uh, the It Gets Better project is definitely worth your, your support and donation. It's, it's a really uh, laudable cause. And uh, it's cool that they are doing a promotion like that. I think it's really awesome. All right, yeah. guys. Uh, stay tuned to hear what we'll be reviewing next week. Find more episodes of this podcast at SlashFilmCast.com. Email us at SlashFilmCast.gmail.com. In the meantime, Britt Hayes, where can people find more of your work on the internet this week? You can find me at ScreenCrush.com. Uh, and you can find me on Twitter at Miss Britt Hayes. All right. Jeff Canada, how about you? Uh, I have several other shows for you. If you're into video games, I have a daily video game show called Newest, Latest, Best, which you can find on iTunes or Google Play or uh, at anchor.fm slash NLB. I also have a weekly video game show, a long-form show called DLC that you can find at 5x5.tv slash DLC. And I have a short comedy show all about science. It's called We Have Concerns. You can find that at wehaveconcerns.com. How about you, Devendra? Oh, you can find me on Twitter at Devendra, and I write about tech at Engadget.com. Find me at DaveChen.net. Find me on Twitter at Dave Chensky. Next week, guys, you know, we haven't talked about this. We usually talk about what we're going to be reviewing next week, but I'm just going to go out on a limb and say Detroit. Oh. Mm. Detroit? Oh, boy. Yeah. Ah. Okay. I mean, the, the only other alternative is the Dark Tower. I mean, the, let, let's just talk about this real quick. Right? <laughs> oh, Jeff, boy, like, yeah. Jeff, Jeff Kanata, you have said you don't even want to see the Dark Tower. Right. Oh my I, god. I kind of don't, but I, I will. I I'm not I'm not trying to avoid it. Yeah. Uh, but I kind of don't. That's yeah. the second time I've heard that today. Uh, but the other person who told me that actually loves the books, so that was I, kind yeah. of shocking. I That's as a, why I don't want to see it either. <laughs> as the, the official book. screen crush Stephen King expert. Um I I'm already really sad about this movie. Oh, man. Right? Yeah. It's going to be bad. I've right. heard from two people who have seen it already, uh, both who work in the theater industry, that it is no good. Oh. Here, I'm going to read from The Ankler, which is a newsletter I love reading. Uh, Screening reports continue to be beyond dire. Tracking is Oof. holding up okay if a King Arthur-like opening in the low 20s sounds good to you. Could be worse these days. 
Uh, they definitely have spent some money to build up awareness levels, and we'll see what that gets them. But from whither came this debacle? Could it be Rothman's decree that this universe-launching movie should be made for $65 million, an amount which typically would barely cover the FX budget on a film of this scope, in the hands of a director who had never worked on studio epics before, and an extremely tortured script process? Anyway, so Detroit yeah. it is, I guess. Sure. Yeah, definitely. Uh, from what I understand, they they maybe stuck a little too close to Akiva Goldsman's script, and I've had a copy of that script for like over a year, and I cannot bring myself to read it. I just can't. <laughs> and I don't know. I've also heard I've heard some things. I've heard that um, a certain very handsome and charming leading man did not get along with the director at all, despite the fact that they are both two of the nicest people on the planet. Mm-hmm. Um, that they kind of hate each other, and so that may that may be part of it. Uh, I I don't know. Okay, here's another question though: like, is this a movie where, like, Jeff? I think you you're you're very fond memories of the book, right? So, and you I were do. Worried I... That seeing the movie would like ruin your perception of the book in some way, like would taint it somehow. Has that ever happened? It's been to so any? long. It's been it, so it, long since I read the books that I I I meant to reread them before this movie came out, but I just never got around to it, and I don't. I don't want to have the imagery of this movie supplant the imagery in my head of the books. Has that ever happened to you guys where <laughs> you'll watch something and it makes you retroactively question whether the earlier things were actually good? I, I think for me, uh-huh. uh, the, the couple times that's happened recently is Jason Bourne, which made me wonder, like, were, <laughs> were those first three films any good? Uh, no, they're, they're still good. I know this is very topical, Britt. And then the other yeah. thing is uh, <laughs> Jurassic World. Uh, made oh me wonder, like, like so much of the formula of the first three films was in that movie, and I was, I was wondering, like, was Jurassic World really one of the best movies of all time? Uh, I feel like that that's a road to like failure, right, and heartbreak because you you have your feelings, you've already had that experience of seeing the original thing, and maybe something later uh, does something that makes you reconsider that, but that's that's the fault of the new thing, not the fault of the old thing, right? I would say this happened with me. I mean, th- this was how I came to hate Johnny Depp. I don't know that it was any one movie, maybe, <laughs> but it was it was like a process over time. And then I got to the point that I hated him so much that I was like, but was he ever actually good or was he always just like <laughs> right. a collection of hats? Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> a collection of hats. And you know what? Almost as if he's the mad hatter. <laughs> yeah, no, mm. he really is. Uh, I mean, I can't wait till he plays the invisible man, like the role that was made for him where he literally is a walking hat. He's just a walking disguise. But it's like, he's just, he's so god-awful. And, like, honestly, looking back at his older stuff, like, even the movies that you would call good, like, he's not the best thing about them. Yeah. Like, he's kind of the worst. And he's also a horrible human being. And I think we should all stop giving him money to be in things. Well, I mean, really, what happened to him was Pirates of the Caribbean. I mean, like, that movie was so wildly successful. And then the the next three movies were also wildly successful. It basically gave him a blank check to do whatever he wanted. So, Including beating up women. Yay! Mm, Yeah, that's very unfortunate. (laughs) Um, Anyway. I don't think you should cheer for that. I, it was it was sarcasm. Just, you don't lie, and you are not familiar with sarcasm. I like, I'm like you disappoint me. I don't like that. I like the characters that aren't Ricky Gervais in that Ricky Gervais movie with a vision of lying. Anyway, all right, guys. Uh, Detroit next Sorry. week. Yeah. Thanks for sure. listening to the official podcast of SlashFilm.com. We're out. We watch the-